here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105 FM in Mukopane. So we have a feature here called Road to Success, and we really pick, we cherry pick people who we think really have interesting careers and lives and are making some amazing moves in their lives and people that inspire us. And one of such people is Dr. Adriana, Adriana Murray. She's in studio with us and she is, let me try and read this because it's a, it's a long one. And if I stumble, do forgive me in advance. Theoretical, physicist, technologist, aspiring extraterrestrial <laughs> and this is an easy one and founder at proudly human welcome to the show thanks so much for having me what is proudly human so i left the corporate world earlier this year to start my own organization which i've called proudly human and our first initiative will kick off early next year where we'll be preparing the technology for what we'll do in 2021 which is an overwinter off-world settlement simulation experiment in Antarctica. In so, Antarctica. So we're going to spend the winter in Antarctica yes. in 2021. Is it going to be exactly as you wish it to be? I mean, we're hearing that it's getting warmer and stuff like that I mean, in 2021. It's still going to be cold. In 2021. <laughs> so the temperature in winter can drop where we in the area will we'll be to around negative 30, negative 40. That's normal. Wind speeds over 200 kilometers <sighs> per hour. Darkness for four months. So the sun does not come up for four months during you winter. You are a sucker for punishment, aren't you? I mean, you love this kind well, of stuff. If you can't do Antarctica, then you can't do Mars. So yes. this is all part of the process, the journey, um, the training, the learning, the generation of Is Mars still going to happen? Mars 1, is it still going to happen? So Mars 1 is basically a startup with an extremely yes. ambitious plan of training and selecting and sending the first crews to Mars. Mm-hmm. So their declaration of bankruptcy this year in yes. January was not really surprising to those of us part of the project because mm-hmm. I think uh, so, so far they had not um, had the fortunate money, yeah. <laughs> of having a billionaire investor showing interest. So, so that's... Uh, on ice, let's say. It's okay. not over. It's not canned. It's not a scam. Um, they're in discussions with investors. And this is a particularly tricky one to get money for. So nonetheless, the mission to Mars in terms of humanity, you know, a, a startup going bankrupt is certainly not going to thwart human endeavor towards exploring space. Um, so this is something we've been, you know, ramping up for since the Apollo era. <laughs> and it will happen in our lifetimes. I hope to be one of the people. And for those so, skeptics out there, for, Google for, it. For those who, who don't know what you're referring to, I mean, I just want to make it quite clear and real. Your plan, and still is your plan, is to go to Mars, be amongst the first people to go to Mars and never to come back and start something there, like a, a little, I don't know, community and see how humans can survive on Mars and maybe find a new planet. Yeah, to, to I mean, live in. there are many reasons why this is a necessary step for us as a species. Um, so I could come at it from, from all angles. Um, what one am I feeling right now? <laughs> to become a knowledgeable and advanced society, it's, it's necessary to explore beyond the place where we emerge. Okay. You know, whether you uh, 
look at your early childhood where you, you know, had your mother looking after you, you know, that's like earth for us. You know, mm-hmm. this is our childhood. Like we are living in a planet that's pretty easy to survive in. If we are to become knowledgeable and appreciative of the environment in which we live, it takes taking a step out of that, out of that comfort zone, out of that safety zone to really appreciate what we have here on earth. And I think we've lost touch with the appreciation for the environment here on earth hugely in the last few decades. Um, We are disrupting the equilibrium of the place where we live. This is a very dangerous path that we are embarking on. Um, And yes, we've got so many issues to solve on earth, you know, poverty alleviation um, and so many other issues that I don't need to talk about now because we've been hearing about them. Um, But certainly poverty alleviation, resource management. And I think we need a wake up call. And uh, it's not going to mean that people are going to move to Mars because we, we mess up Earth. Earth, Earth mm. is going to still be a, a reasonable place to live um, going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, what we need to do is train ourselves to be more resource efficient, to use renewable energy, to manage our water better, to grow our food in the place where we're living and understand where our food is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, if we have to go to Mars to demonstrate that technology can enable a community of people to survive and sustain themselves um, in a harsh environment like Mars, I mean, these technologies can be rolled out, whether it's an informal settlement, whether it's a moon base, whether it's a community living on Mars, humans need the same resources, power, water, food, communication systems, healthcare, um, and we are going to demonstrate what's possible to, to, to wake people up, to realize we cannot continue like this on Earth now. Um, Oh my goodness. Oh eight nine one one oh four two oh seven. I mean I wanna cut to if you know that we can, why don't we just do it here? Well, that's a good question. Staying on Earth doesn't appear to be helping solve any of these problems. Our complacency is, is limitless. <laughs> I'd love your comments on this one. Oh eight nine one one oh four two oh seven. Pimelo Mudine on SAFM. My guest is Dr. Adriana Murray. I don't know if I can say the entire title as it sits here because I get tongue twisted. Theoretical physicist, technologist and aspiring extraterrestrial <laughs> and, uh, and founder of Proudly Human. Proudly Human is a new initiative. So wh- wh- why did you feel the need to drop everything and start this? As you said, it's an experiment. And this experiment of going to Antarctica, what are we hoping to to learn there? So Antarctica is analogous to space in many aspects. Um, That's one uh, reason why um, surviving in that environment would teach many lessons in terms of the technology um, and also in terms of the community because it's completely isolated there. Um, so during the winter for four months, you cannot leave. There are no airplanes or boats that can access Antarctica ah. for four months. Ah. So the isolation is real. The self-sufficiency needs to be real um, to survive there during, during the winter in that environment. Um, another it's reason... the telecommunication. Mm-hmm. Yes, certainly, yes. That would be crucial. Um, Mm. We would have multiple levels, whether satellite links or other methods to communicate. Um, So another reason for going to Antarctica is that South Africa has a long presence there. Um, And in Africa, uh, young people who want to become astronauts, who want to get involved in the space agency, there's not a big market out there for activities. Um, uh, I think in the future, a great idea for Africa would be to to have an African space agency. Mm. Um, At the moment, we have sort of different national space agencies with different agendas. The Square Kilometre Array Radio Telescope mm-hmm. is a, a great science experiment, the biggest on the planet currently in terms of um, the data it will produce and 
the number of countries involved. So there are also eight other African nation partner states involved in the SKA, the yeah. large part of it's being built here in South Africa. So that's one great space collaboration that Africa's already embarking on. Um, so we think a, a space agency that would be able to then implement sort of astronaut training, launching of satellites, launching of perhaps crews from an equatorial region, which Africa has a lot of, would be a, a future prospect. But um, that's a big that's a big ask and will take a, a while to get together. So in the meantime, as South Africans, what can we do? What can we do to contribute towards humanity's future technologically in space? Because uh, this, this will come. Um, China has demonstrated f- crop growth on the moon earlier this year. And that shows China is planning to send humans to the moon mm-hmm. to live I would say in the next five years, we can we can see if sure. I'm right or wrong. So we need to compete from now. I mean, we, we know about the fourth industrial revolution. We know how important STEM um, um, sort of qualifications and capabilities are. And space is a great way to get people inspired. So so we're actually going to film ourselves in Antarctica, talking about our goals to live in space, but obviously practically surviving the winter in Antarctica. We're going to make it a, a largely local as lacquer kind of project where we get a lot of local companies, whether from the continent or from South Africa, to to um, integrate our technologies together in partnership with, we leave from Cape Town on, on the Agalus 2, potentially that's the South African boat that goes to Antarctica every year. So a lot of South Africans don't know maybe that um, South Africa is a huge uh, participant in the research that goes on in Antarctica. We've been involved since the 1950s when the original treaty was signed and crews live there every year um, through the summer mostly, but also through the winter, um, doing research, mostly scientific research from, from the cold continent. Fascinating. Pumelele Mzimande, you calling us from Pretoria. Hi. Yes, I am. I've been, I tuned in, I think you announced, I just, I thought that must be Theo and Mariana's daughter. Yeah. Hi, Mariana. <laughs> oh, Pum, hey. <laughs> I don't even understand half of what you are talking about, darling. I am just... Over the moon. Uh, it's been too long. In front of me. <laughs> and now you are talking about things I don't understand. <laughs> but whatever it is, but, but just because it's you dealing with it, I know it's going to succeed. <laughs> you so... go, girl. Congratulations. Wow, Pamela. Thanks so for proud of so you. Great to hear from so, you. so wonderful. So warm. Okay, <laughs> thanks, Pamela. Thanks very much for your call. So, I mean, this is, this is part of why you do what you do. You've got massive support back at home. I mean, I, when I first spoke to you, you were telling me how your mom, your family just wasn't phased. They, oh, okay, she wants to go, let her go. She, she's been one of those children. Huh? Yeah, that was apparently their response. <laughs> a lack of uh, sort of genuine shock um, and more saying, well, yes, if people are getting ready to move to Mars, it sounds okay, reasonable that you go. would be one of them, <laughs> that you would want to do that. Yeah. What, what are you taking? So this experiment is trying to, you going to try and build resources around yourselves to survive. What are you taking to Antarctica? So um, wherever humans are, the resources we need to survive, let's say life support, yep. um, are power. So mm-hmm. we don't have solar power ju- during the winter, obviously, as an option because, because there's no sun. Yeah. So, so wind turbines are an option we're going uh, because there's a lot of wind. With. There's a lot of wind, yeah. up to 250, even more kilometers per hour. So we want to try to harness that. Okay. We've got to then tether these things down because they blow away, obviously. Yes. <laughs> Next is the water. So obviously there's a lot of ice around in Antarctica. That's one thing you're not going to run out of. Yeah. You need to melt it using your power systems. Um, but uh, wastewater management is something we're looking at. And something, ah. whether we're in Cape Town or, or the rest of Earth, uh, managing our wastewater is something we're going to have to get better at. We don't really know where our water comes from often. We don't know where it goes. 
close and uh, we're going to need all of us community wise to get a better grip on this and to use uh, you know cutting edge technologies to be more efficient in processing this wastewater back into agriculture for mm-hmm. example taking salt out of seawater desalination is another sort of water management system that we're going to need to to get used to going forward then we've got food which we're going to grow inside those are basically the basic it's only three months we're going to be going in 2021, so we've got the whole of next year to prepare this. Um, and when you arrive in February, you can't leave again until October. So we'll be yeah, there nine so, months. So, so when do you begin, for instance, pl- you know, start generating the food? Because you're only starting when you're there, correct? We'll bring a lot of diesel and we'll bring a lot of food. Um, we're not going to die out okay, there, okay. but we're going to see to what extent we don't need to eat our supplies. So oh, if we're growing sprouts or, yes. or legumes or, yeah. or um, tubers, so we're looking at sort of local potatoes as a, all the different species, which one will perform better in those kind of cold conditions. Mm. Obviously, we'll heat up the greenhouse. Yes. but yes. Um, So we're looking at different food systems, what can grow fast, what can provide nutrition. Um, and then, again, this is an example for any human community anywhere. Um, can we produce food that can feed a certain number of people for a certain amount of time inside a shipping container using renewable energy and wastewater, uh, processed wastewater. So literally, whether this is an an informal settlement or a moon base, um, this kind of thinking is crucial. Um, So your base will be a shipping container? We're going to put all of our experiments in shipping containers, which we'll bring with us. But the the location where we're staying is called White Desert. Mm -hmm. This is one of the only private camps in Antarctica. And if you want to go in summer, you can uh, save up thirty. $7,000 $7,000 for four days, including flights from Cape Town, U.S. dollars. <laughs> if you want to go in winter, yes. that's another story because nobody's there. In fact, nobody's ever overwintered there before. Oh, wow. So Patrick Woodhead, the managing director of White Deserts, is an advisor and friend of our project. Um, and we're in discussion to make it happen to be the first crew to stay in this camp over winter. Okay, let me take another break. <laughs> How many people are going? So there are three of us currently in the, in the organizing team. Oh We're going to select another nine from yes. around the world. So applications will open in the next month or two. We are looking for experts. We're looking for passionate people, but we're not limiting the kinds of expertise we're looking for. Like we definitely need medics. We definitely need diesel mechanics. Uh If the generators break, you don't survive long in negative 40, as you can imagine. So the medics and the diesel mechanics are are absolutely crucial parts of the team. But then the rest, I mean, you know, how important would beer brewing be for you in the Antarctic situation? This could be be called a necessary requirement. Um, You know, whether you're a chef or a meditation instructor, if you can motivate why your expertise expertise would be keep you guys alive yeah life support is one ha- one thing but the community spirit is equally crucial and important to sustain us through and those sustain dark. you through <laughs> being lonely being in the dark karaoke fridays yes, you know away from family away from loved ones yes so, so we would be online um but yes we would need to i think generate some because team spirit what, what we don't discuss about these experiments um is that it, it goes far beyond the science right it is also human experiment around communities building each other around spaces that you share and how you can survive in those confined spaces together and also you know how do you multiply or not multiply those decisions in antarctica they definitely won't be you know any, what i'm saying we're only there nine months so we'll, oh <laughs> a lot can happen a lot no, can this, happen this is so there are a lot of medical um sort of protocol type uh, things yes. we'll have to look at the so rules. whether you have a psychiatric uh, illness history in yes. your family even yes. you know a history of of heart troubles Listen, people get depressed things. in the uk in the winter yeah so there's a to, to mitigate that we're going to use you know lamps those lamps that simulate sunlight coming up and we're in collaboration with some musicians who believe they have specific frequencies of music that can regulate melatonin. Oh. Um, 
So all sorts of other ideas, also from the arts, also from science, about how people can live happily together, which is a pretty yes. broad. <laughs> yes. Colin, you're calling us from Cape Town. Hi. Good afternoon. <laughs> Hi, Colin. Hello, doctor. Hi, Colin. You know, some, <laughs> I don't know what, what makes some people tick. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, doctor, I've, I've heard some stories on radios and things like that. People are booking for Mars. <laughs> There's no return. Yes, that was her. She's one of those people. Colin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I heard there's quite a few people. Yes. Now tell me something. How does one plan your life to leave behind? Um, are you classed as a deceased or what? <laughs> or no more citizen or what? <laughs> Do you have insurance? Uh, what, what, do parents, what do your parents tell their friends? No, she's deceased. <laughs> or she's in Mars. I'll never ever see my daughter again. I mean, sometimes when people move from Cape Town to Joburg, you never see them again, but that doesn't mean they're dead. Uh, no, no. <laughs> but uh, when is this supposed to actually be the first trial when, uh, somebody is going to Mars. Yeah, I mean, so the dates are, this has not been done. We're not the U.S. government who sort of mandates we will put a man on the moon in the next nine years. Um, we don't have that kind of percentage of GDP as a bunch of private sector collaborators from around the world, really. But SpaceX, Elon Musk's company, our own they South African-born Elon Musk. Going, right? Yeah, they've, they are the ones to watch. So if you want to know dates, follow SpaceX. Um, and they plan to land the first cargo on Mars in 2022. Goodness. If that's successful, then all systems are going to send crew in the following years. So before 2030 would be my prediction. Um, Elon Musk is planning on sending people on return trips. Um, so Mars One was trying to cut costs and... Now they have no money, so that's uh, yeah, one thing on the one hand. Elon Musk, on the other hand, is planning to develop return trips so people will be able to go to and fro. But, of course, um, if you spend forty year, the first 40 years of your life preparing for an, an adventure like getting to Mars, I don't imagine myself rushing back to Earth. Um, there will be a lot of infrastructural development, a lot of, you know, creating a new society with, on the philosophical level, on a practical level. And this is something I would wholeheartedly devote the rest of my life to and be online. I mean, we live in the era of connectivity. Mars is no different. The Curiosity rover is sending back images and videos every day. So there's already someone tweeting on Mars, let's say, <laughs> something <laughs> tweeting on Mars. So we'll, we'll be in touch. Um, we <laughs> won't be dead. We'll, we'll still be uh, on a screen near you. <laughs> wow. but, remember, but remember one thing, Curiosity killed the cat. <laughs> Colin, I love that. Listen, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Colin. I'll continue listening. Thanks very thanks. much for that. There's a WhatsApp note for you, Doc. Let's listen to the WhatsApp note. Hi, Adriana Marie. Um, I have known about you for a while now. I kind of followed you a little bit. Um, I was very interested in finding out that you were one of the astronauts shortlisted to actually go to Mars. So I have a few questions. Um, the first thing is... Um, do you think the earth was intended for us and only the earth because oftentimes i feel that when scientists sort of meddle with um life as it is um there are often catastrophic disasters um let's take plastic for example there was no plastic before it was invented and then now we are sitting with this environmental issues um and secondly um, just a little bit off the point, um, can you please explain to us a little bit about prebiotic molecules? It would be interesting to find out. Thank you, Mark. 
sure. Okay, he's got a good point. Yeah, definitely. I we, agree. we inherit this wonderful planet. Maybe we'll do the same to Mars. We will inherit a complete planet. And we get there, and like the group that you're discussing now, we'll get there and get creative. What seems like a solution may actually be detrimental, like plastic. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'd say those are not the scientists who've uh, polluted the ocean with plastic. That's humans. <laughs> Who created the, the knowledge that's created um, by people investigating reality is neutral. So the companies, the individuals that choose to then commercialize this and people that buy it, that's all of us. That's all of us. We're all on planet Earth with limited resources in a what was an equilibrium, which we've now disrupted with our cleverness. I mm. completely am on board with that. Mm. However, when we compare Earth with the rest of the planets in the solar system, Earth is completely unique. You can see life from space. Earth is teeming with life. Way before we arrived, Earth has been teeming with life for a while. So it's unique in the solar system. The fact that we are destroying species at the rate that we are, this is the, the cause for alarm. The way, way that we are disrupting Earth's environment, the one that sustains us, this is the cause for alarm. So if four people go off to Mars and uh, make a few mistakes, um, this is nowhere near, in my opinion, the ethics of, of what we're doing to other living systems here on this planet. So... Perhaps we need it. Perhaps we need to understand how desperately difficult it is to live on other planets to help us to understand that we need to protect this one. And that sounds like a long shot. And I'm not saying everybody needs to follow me to Mars. That would be a disaster. And there wouldn't be enough room. So please uh, leave space for those of us who want to go. That's not a solution to Earth's problems. That's just a way of generating new ways of thinking and of inspiring the next generation of what can be achieved through imagination and through science and technology. Um, if we are living on Mars, we will inspire a new generation to think, you know, during the Apollo era, the invention of the PC, the mobile phone and the Internet emerged from kids, basically, who were super inspired by watching the first humans walk on the moon and thought, hey, I'm going to get involved in STEM, some science, technology, engineering or mathematical degree, went on to develop the technologies, which I think we all know about because we use them every minute of the day. So perhaps we need another Mars mission to move to the next wave of technology. I don't know what that will be, but certainly we need to advance our minds a little bit. We have become a bit stagnant in our ways here on Earth in terms of um, not being resource efficient as we need to, not being empathetic to our fellow uh, humans, never mind the fellow species that mm -hmm. we inhabit this planet with. And maybe we deserve to see how it is to survive in a really desert, hostile environment like Mars to wake up a little bit. Quick one, prebiotics. Yeah. Ah, yes. <laughs> so pre prebiotic molecules are the necessary building blocks of life. Um, these have been detected in space, so things like amino acids, which are the building blocks of proteins, um, things like the sort of components of DNA, the precursors of what we would see as DNA, have been detected by instruments, um, including what the Square Kilometre Array will be capable of when it's fully functional in 10 years. We'll be probing and looking for these kind of molecules. So this is probably the closest we've got to discovering life off of Earth would be to see these molecular precursors of life in space, which, which they are. So so that these came together to form life on Earth probably means they also came together to form life somewhere else, um, maybe in the solar system, maybe in the next system. Um, but to understand that, we have to get better at exploring. Um, we have to keep exploring because as humans, we've covered the surface of Earth. So what's next? Are we going to just keep overpopulating and sort of destroying the resources available to us on this planet? Or are we going to up our game? Are we going to think big? Are we going to dream big? And are we going to learn to survive in, in hostile environments and use this information to, to sustain ourselves better on Earth? Are you crowdsourcing? How can people support <laughs> proudly human? <laughs> 
So we've got a, a mailing list on proudlyhuman.com. You can subscribe. Yeah. Um, we will be sending out announcements when we open applications in the next couple of months. Um, people would give have some months to create their project. So this is equivalent to like applying for a NASA astronaut program. It's going to be a fairly lengthy application. So yeah. uh, people are going to need to put some time into that, um, not just a funny one-pager or a one-minute video of why you but, think that would be fun. But <laughs> financially, how does South Africa go, you know, back what you're doing, Proudly Human? I mean, it is a South African-led project. Yeah, investors investors are welcome. Volunteers are welcome to contact us. Um, investments, of course, is going to be part of you know yeah. getting all the diesel that we need to burn down yeah. there. We hope our wind turbines don't blow away, but if they do, we'll be burning diesel. So investors welcome to contact through the through the websites as well, or, or on my personal website adrianamaray.org. But more importantly, at least excitingly, let's say for me, is in terms of the research and technology collaborations. So we've already been in touch with very enthusiastic potential partners um, through the continent and in South. Africa um, in terms of having robust, you know, Wi-Fi providers, indoor farming, sort of hydroponic setups, um, wastewater management ideas like polymer sort of uh, membranes that can be 3D printed. Mm. So it can be like university research level or practical with people building devices that can be used in remote areas. Um, I think this is a great way to showcase what we're doing um, in South Africa and in Africa in terms of these isolated remote location type technologies, mm. which we have off grid stuff, which we know we need sometimes. <laughs> So let's showcase it. We're going to be filming um, our whole experience as a documentary series. So um, if you're not following Some us, blow TV by rights blow. maybe there. Yeah, we're hoping to get the widest possible reach. So, you know, Netflix is, is on our minds with respect to the distributor of that. Um, yeah, so so watch the space <laughs> and get involved in the space. Um, it's, we're still on Earth for now. Antarctica is an exciting place to, to explore and to try to survive using renewable technologies. So get involved. Yeah. My goodness, you're so inspiring. Dr. Adriana Murray has been my guest. It's been such a wonderful pleasure. It's really been a pleasure talking to you, being in your company. She's a founder of Proudly Human. Go to the website and see how you can be a part of this really wonderful, magnificent South African project. It's three o'clock, everybody. Let's do this again tomorrow.